You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. How to still trust that God is good when all shit is hitting the fan. Whoa, right? (laughs) Did you feel a few feels before anxiously or excitedly hitting play on today's episode? I'm going to jump right into today's episode, giving the disclaimer that it might be long and it might be rough around the edges and it might be emotional at times because much of this story talks about one of the hardest times of my own life thus far, and I really want to get it right for you. But really, there's no way to get it right, so it's just going to be real and raw and whatever else it decides to be. Some folks might already know the story, since I was pretty open about everything as it was happening this time last year, but I thought it worth resharing since a lot of the poignance of the lessons learned didn't come from me until long after we saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Many didn't come until we were out of the tunnel and onto another country, so to speak. This week marked the anniversary of a not-so-happy day in our lives and in our daughter Olivia's short life so far. I might share Liv's birth story in another podcast entirely, because I swear it could be a book, but for today's intents and purposes, we are pressing fast forward through the first month of Olivia's life to November 16th, 2018. By then, Olivia was about to turn one month old, although she was born nearly two months premature, so she was still on preemie time then. (laughs) Up to that point, Olivia was patient number four in the level three NICU in the hospital five minutes from our small suburban townhouse. NICUs have levels based on their medical capabilities and advancements, and four is the best of the best. Also up to that point, Olivia had been in a continuously unstable, stable condition. It was like we were accustomed to the instability, as sick as that sounds. She was experiencing episodes of bradycardia, which is where your heart rate and oxygen levels drop simultaneously, sometimes requiring stimulation from nurses so that your heart doesn't stop beating or so your lungs don't stop breathing, because they can forget to do those things when you're not even supposed to be breathing Earth's air yet. On November 16th, 2018, Olivia was transferred by ambulance from the level 3 NICU in the hospital she was born at to a level four NICU at one of the biggest, greatest children's hospitals on the planet. She was in an incubator hooked to so many tubes you couldn't even see her little face. The doctor said she had somehow gotten this mysterious infection while in the NICU that's typically only seen in adults from handling raw poultry. Weird, right? Beyond that, her heart rate and oxygen levels kept dropping, so it reached emergency status and they had to immediately switch hospitals. I'll never forget the look on the neonatologist's face as the alarms went off in Liv's space as she told me we needed to transfer because they couldn't handle her there anymore. We had no answers. They didn't know what was wrong. They didn't know how to fix it. We didn't know if she'd make it. I sat in the NICU that day pumping milk and crying in the chaos while we waited for the next NICU's transport team to arrive. I was trying to be strong, but I spent most of my days crying and yelling at God. 
I didn't understand what point he was trying to prove or why he was letting this all happen to an innocent baby who wasn't even at full term yet. It was the longest, hardest, saddest 73 days of my life, and Jamie's too. For some perspective, in a normal childbirth, you go home with your baby after a mere two days in the hospital. Two days. Then you're home, soaking up newborn snuggles and baby bliss with late night nursing and 3 a.m. diaper changes and photos marking each monthly milestone like a first giggle and a first bath. We lost all of that. Olivia was born on October 17th, nearly two months from her due date, and the doctors think her due date was too early too, putting her closer at being truly two months premature. She spent Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas Day in the hospital. We spent Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas Day with her in the hospital. We were yelled at on Thanksgiving because there were too many of us in the room with her, We had to rotate in and out of her room, myself, Jamie, and my mom and dad, taking turns sitting alone in the outside waiting room because we were a, quote, danger, end quote, to other babies. It was supposed to be the happiest time of our lives, and it was weird because it was one of the saddest. My gut reaction in retelling this now is honestly to negate the horribleness of it all and downplay true feelings because, hey, we have a baby. We have a beautiful, happy, healthy baby, heck, toddler, now, and some people aren't that lucky. But that's not how pain works, and that's not how stories go. We all have something that probably feels horrible, and it might be a cakewalk to the next girl. We all have something that scares us, like a snake in a sidewalk crack that might be a puppy to the next girl. But it's not about comparing ourselves to the next girl. It's about acknowledging the hard things in front of us and the shitstorms that encircle us and the goodness of God around us because while those hard things are happening and while those shitstorms are circling, God is still good. Here we are. (laughs) We're still standing. Heck, we're thriving. Olivia Grace is thriving. While we were in the NICU, we were struggling. I mean, really struggling. I'm not kidding when I said it was the longest, hardest, saddest time in mine and Jamie's life combined. It was long because every day unexpectedly in a hospital feels like an eternity, let alone 73 of them. It was hard because I'm someone who likes order and answers and cause and effect, and in the NICU there's not much of that. It was sad because I'm also someone who likes to be able to justify things. I was never someone who thought that I did or did not deserve something that God put in my path. I know that life and God are just not like that. But I still liked to be able to attempt to draw the lines, to connect the dots between different moments or events or prayers in an attempt to try and understand how God works. Of course, this too is impossible. But maybe in the past it seemed to work. Even in really freaking hard times, I could try to shift my perspective and see the glass half full instead of half empty. I could see that in the midst of a horrible breakup, maybe God was trying to teach me what I wanted or needed in a life partner, or in a rejection from a job, maybe that was a redirection on a different life path. But the NICU was different. Day 30, transfer day, I was distraught. That was just terrifying. But when I came to my blog and social media families and humbly asked for prayer for our baby girl, the crowd came through and stormed the heavens and my DMs like I had never seen before. 
It was so incredibly powerful and so moving, and I had the thought that maybe, just maybe, the reason that Olivia Grace was going through this was that heaven needed a bit more prayer right about then. There were people messaging saying, hey, you know what? I never do this praying thing, but I'm going to lift one up for your girl. Oh, and that was the coolest thing ever. And I thought, you know what? If it means that Olivia is a catalyst and our story is a catalyst for some positive change in people's hearts, I can withstand this. I can withstand the pain and the heartache I'm feeling because I can see some good coming from it. And if I have to feel pain for others to feel or to be good, I can take one for the team. But time went on, and the days felt longer and darker as our hospital commute went from being five minutes to an hour and a half, sometimes more with traffic. We went to work during the day, came home, then went. Got back home anywhere between 10 p.m. and midnight, with just enough time to watch a quick 20-minute episode of Schitt's Creek for a smile before bed. We went from being sad to being depressed. On top of that, I had postpartum, so it was, all in all, a not-fun time. Really, we felt robbed. We felt really robbed of time that should have been spent snuggled up on the couch at home. In time, I was really just losing hope. Every week, heck, every day, was spent looking for a miracle, looking for an answer. Whether Whether the question was, what was this or that test result, Or when will our baby get to come home? There were questions. And sometimes there were answers, but sometimes those answers were wrong. Thankfully, the answers that were right was that no, there was nothing wrong on the brain MRI, and no, there was nothing found in the random genetic testing done. But when will our baby come home was answered incorrectly many, many times. First, two weeks, they said. Two weeks came and went. And then in being transferred to another NICU, we knew that that hope was long gone. NICU number two called me every day with an update at shift change so that I had an update from overnight before we came in that same evening. One day, a resident called me and said, Good news! Olivia can come back home today. Not home home, but back to our home hospital, the level three NICU where she was born, a mere five minutes from our house. This is it, we thought. I got another phone call a mere 27 minutes later saying, actually, no, we can't transfer back. She has an NG feeding tube, a tube through her nose directly into her stomach to eat, and that NICU won't discharge a baby home with a feeding tube. This NICU would, and would have to, because her feeding tube would be in for the foreseeable future. It being the holidays just made it all worse, and it was weird, you know? Experiencing a sense of loss with someone who was so brand new. An empty seat at the table marking someone whose life had just begun, whose life was hopefully still going to be long and beautiful. Soon, my crying and pleading with God just turned to anger. And I was angry because I couldn't see the point anymore. Which, in hindsight, seems so foolish because, of course, God knows more than we do in any given moment— And of course, his purpose and plan far precedes any of our own. But I was still angry, because I could see the point when the prayers were being lifted and the healing was happening, but in the state of waiting, the state where it felt like nothing was happening, that dry spell just sucked. At that point, it felt like the only one being punished was Olivia. 
At that point, I just felt numb. Jamie just felt numb. We were both numb and depressed and barely getting by. But it felt like Liv, an innocent newborn who was barely even old enough to be breathing Earth's air, was being punished in the wait. And our faith was shaken. While Liv was in the NICU and I was sharing our journey and prayer requests on social media, I was often met with comments like, You're so strong, or your faith is inspiring, as I tried to stay positive. But really, I tried to put on a positive face because I felt like I had to, because I didn't have a finish line in sight. And if I didn't put on a happy face and push some positivity out of my bones forcefully and intentionally, it would just be the moment's neutral, which was tears and numbness. And I didn't want to be a burden, and it felt like God had abandoned our family. But here's the thing. God didn't abandon our family. He never did. And he never will. Just because you can't see a star in the darkness of the night doesn't mean it's not there. It's still just as there as ever, burning just as bright. But based on our surroundings and based on our circumstances, we can't see the stars. We're blinded by the world and society around us. Friends, our inability to see the light does not mean that it's all dark. Of course, our story has a happy ending. Olivia obviously got to come home. 73 days later, on December 29th, 2018, Liv came home. She needed to go five whole days without any bradycardiac episodes, and she did it. So free she was. She had a feeding tube for the next six months, so of course it was not all coming up roses right away. The long journey continued, and there were so many more bumps in the road and uphill climbs in the path that continued to turn our baby's first year bittersweet. But there was good. Above all, let this be a story of hope. Your struggle right now might suck so bad. It might be sucking the strength out of you where you too are crying on the bathroom floor, shaking a fist at heaven, where your faith is shaken and tested, where you feel mad at God. Heck, tell him you're upset. Talk to him. Cry to him. He's our Heavenly Father, and he knows your heart anyway. So instead of shutting him out and pretending like he's not there, just tell him your pain. Yell at him if you have to. He can take it. (laughs) But know this. God's not done yet. God's not done yet. Your pain is part of his purpose for you and in you for what's next. Your life picture is not just four-sided. It has got so many more sides that you can't even see, and it's being built by a creator who controls every brushstroke. Sometimes I think God gives us tests of faith. Do you believe just when it's going your way? Or do you believe when it's going anything but that all things still work together for good, like it says in Romans 8.28? He is faithful. He is good. I thank him every day for this little miracle family of mine. My hope is that this story is timely too, because the season of Advent is right around the corner. In many Christian churches, Advent is a time of expectant waiting and preparation for the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ that is Christmas. The word Advent means coming. Friend, I want you to know that your time is coming. Your good is coming. The answer to your prayer and the reason for your hope is coming. But here's the kicker. The sometimes bitter icing on the buttercream cake of life 
What's coming for you might not look like what you think you want or what you think you need. What's coming for you is what God or the universe or whatever other higher power you believe in knows you need. Your now might feel terrible, but growth comes with growing pains. Roses come with thorns. Flowers and rainbows come after the rain. Sometimes we have to go through shit for some reason. Sometimes we figure the reason out after the fact. We can see that the shit made us stronger or braver or kinder or better. But sometimes we'll never know the reason, try as we might to figure it out with our little human brains. And the hardest thing to accept is that that's okay. The reason might not have even been for us. It might have been for the next girl who saw it all go down and was changed because of it. Our pain might have been for her purpose instead of for ours. We just have to trust that the God who keeps his promises keeps one of his biggest. That through it all, he is still good. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.